This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hey there, this is Jamie Finn. This is The Real Mom Podcast, and you are listening to Season 2, Episode 4. Today, I am talking to Jessica Satterfield, who is the adoptive and foster mom of three beautiful kids, and she has a beautiful heart, and she has beautiful wisdom to share with us. I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved being able to connect with Jess, and I know that you're going to learn from her and be inspired by her. Here is season two, episode four of the Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to Jessica Satterfield. Jess is the adoptive and foster mom of three kiddos. She is a big um, advocate and voice for women who are struggling through infertility. She has just this beautiful perspective on life and motherhood and adoption and foster care now. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to her today. Hi Jess, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to get to know you a little better. You're one of those Instagram moms that I really keep up on and love and just think you are the cutest little Southern girl in the world. (laughs) I feel the same way about you. Aww. Except the Southern part because I'm... Yeah, except the Southern part. I'm just as Jersey as you get, but... (laughs) Cool. So tell me a little bit about your family. Introduce your family to us. Okay. So I've been married to my husband, Brandon, for 10 years now. Okay. We dated for a year, got engaged the very same place the next year. We're married the next. And it has been a whirlwind and beautiful. And it's been one of those things that I truly, truly love him more now than ever. We have three kiddos. We have uh, our first adopted child, Sayla. She is five. I can't believe it. She just turned five. She and I is just, registered. just the cutest. Oh, my word. So I beautiful. I just registered her for kindergarten. Uh. And I can barely take it. I'm just like, <laughs> no. It's so soon. She was just an itty-bitty baby, and now she's this beautiful little five-year-old. It really is true. Don't bleep, because they just grow up so fast, so fast. So she is our only girl, and she definitely steals the show. She knows it and loves it, for sure. And then we have our three-year-old is Micah. He is such a joy. He if I have gray hair, it's because of him for sure. <laughs> I have one of those too. <laughs> we never know what he's going to say in public. We never know what he's going to do. He's the one climbing on top of the couches, jumping off the back of them. He's that kid that we're like, sometimes I just don't know what to do with you, but I know you're going to change the world one day. That's Micah. <laughs> and then we have a, a nine-year-old foster son. We have had him for 18 months now. He came to us, and actually, it was our ninth anniversary on the day, June 21st, 2017. Happy anniversary. <laughs> right? Right? He shows up at our door, and yeah, 
he was with us for six months. He went back home for two months. He came back to us last year and has been with us this whole time. Okay. So walk me through a little bit, which first of all, I feel like each of the kids that you just described, I'm like, oh yeah, I have that one. I have that one. Those, those ones that fit the categories of like, like your Micah sounds like two of mine where you're like, okay. Oh, you are, you ever see that meme that's like my kid, um, I hope that they use their gifting to become like a leader, yes. a CEO rather than a leader of a prison gang. I'm like, oh yes. yeah, I feel that in my soul. <laughs> Same. Um, so I love like, okay, that sounds like the energy in my house too. But walk me through a little bit how these kids joined your family, what their stories were with just becoming Satterfields. So when Brandon and I, it was actually our first date, I thought that I was going to be a missionary in Africa and I was going to have an orphanage and we were going to do missions overseas. And so I just told him, I'm like, look, if you're going to date me, this is the plan. And I need to know if you're okay with it. And we just talked in that first conversation and we knew that adoption would be in our story. Girl, you are intense. That is awesome. Enneagram three, three over here. We do nothing halfway. I love it. And so, so that was our first date. Well, we do the thing that everybody does. Well, let's try to have bio kids and our, well, actually I called them our own, you know, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have language for that. Then we tried to get pregnant and it just wasn't happening And to make a long story short, I mean, three and four years of infertility, and we were at this crossroads of Brandon wanted to adopt the whole time. He was just ready. He was tired of watching me go through this with my body and month to month and the treatments. And it's just a lot. And I could not let go of the fact that I just knew that my body was created to carry children. And I just wanted, I wanted that so badly. So we were at this crossroads in our relationship or not our marriage, but in our plan to grow our children. And we were either going to continue to do IVF or start IVF treatments, or we were just going to throw in the towel and just move to adoption. And we were both on very separate pages I know marriage is ne- that never happened. Right, right. right. <laughs> somebody is either somebody is either all about it, and then the other one is like, "I'm not moving," you know. And that was kind of where we were. And he was just he just knew he just felt strongly that adoption is what we were supposed to do, and I felt strongly that we weren't. So we went to this meeting at our church. It was we didn't know this at the time, but it was for ado- adoption care, orphan care ministry. It was the what did you leadership think it meeting. was? How did I didn't you get know what like it was. We were just invited. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, it was totally a setup. We were invited to this <laughs> meeting and I'm like, what is this even about? And so they, but it was the first time that I sat in a room of women who understood me and who understood my story. So I walked in and I sat down at the table and I just sobbed the entire meeting mm. because all of those women had walked through what I had. And I'd never, ever experienced that before. And it was almost like I made this silent vow in my heart. Like, I will be the one who talks about this so that other people Mm. don't have to walk through this alone. 
because I didn't have anyone. I didn't have anybody to walk through infertility with. It, I felt so alone, so unseen, just disregarded and sat along off the side. And here was this big thing in our life. We knew, I knew that God had called me to be a mom. And it was a calling that I knew God had placed on my life. And I was so frustrated that he wasn't mm. giving me children a mother. Mm. So long story short, we sit in this meeting and the Holy Spirit the entire time is softening my heart to this thing of adoption. And suddenly I'm like, yes, Father, yes, whatever you want our family to look like. I want your dreams for my family. What do you want my family to look like? And so I said yes to adoption that night. I was so excited. I get in the car to tell Brandon because, you know, he had been wanting to do it for so long. And oh, so this was a group for women. White. So he wasn't even, this, he wasn't this at was, this meeting. No, no. He was at the meeting with me. Oh, okay. This okay, was several okay. couples, several couples okay. starting this orphan care ministry in our church. He gets in the car, his face is white as a sheet. And I'm like, what's wrong? I've got to tell you this great news. Yes, let's move forward with adoption. We can call the agency tomorrow and move forward. And he hands me this piece of paper and it said, I'm going to give you $10,000 to adopt. <gasps> so somebody in, in the meeting had slipped him a piece of paper and said, I will give you $10,000 to adopt. And it's like immediately I stepped out in faith and gave God my yes. And he immediately met us with provision. And so that's how Selah came. We immediately started the adoption process with Selah. Can I like rewind a little bit? Because I don't want to move past what you just said, which is that you want to be the one who talks about this. And I know that there are women who are listening. You know, this is so common to our community that so many women, God uses their struggle with infertility to be what pushes Mm -hmm. them into adoption. And so when you are the one who talks about this and you are very open, and I know that you serve so many women who don't feel seen or feel the shame of other women not speaking about it, or what really, what do you speak? I mean, what are the words that, that your heart needed that you found other women really need to hear? Well, I think, I think a lot of it is that mold grows in the dark, right? Hmm. So whenever mold is exposed to light, it stops growing and it dies. And what happens is when we walk journeys like this alone, the lies of the enemy just grow and fester and we, we are isolated. We are, we are not seen. Our, our, we have no place to renew our mind. And so when light is shown on that and we're in community and it's exposed and we have other women walking with us saying, the truth of God's word says this about your situation. What you're hearing from the enemy is not truth. And so we're just going to kill that mode and mold and let it die up. Whenever God's, God's word is exposed and the truth of his word is exposed in our life, it shines light to those places. Right. So right. we're like, no, I'm not alone. I, I'm not alone. I am seen. And actually God doesn't call me barren. He calls me fruitful and he, he has a great plan for my life. And he healing is actually my inheritance. And so when we get in a community of women and we're able to renew our mind with truth together, miraculous things happen. And that's just what we've seen. 
That is so beautiful. I love just that phrase that you keep using, renew our mind. And it it's a personal thing. We have to renew our, our minds, but we need help yeah. in that. We need people speaking truth because it's easier to believe lives from the enemy and from our own hearts. Yes. Our hearts are lie factories. And, and just to have someone who is there reminding us of truth, that is so hard to remember. We don't drift into truth or drift into faith yeah. or joy. And I love that inviting women into your process of renewing your mind. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Okay. So you've just found a lot of freedom in the community then. Yeah, I really have. And I think there's so, especially on Instagram, right? We get on Instagram and there's these perfect pictures of these perfect families. And we see their end a lot of times. And I want to be the one that shares the mess and how there's beauty in the mess. Right, right, there right. is beauty there. I think we get so caught up on the end result and the promised land, so to speak, when what God really wants to do is he really enjoys the process with us. He really, he really enjoys the middle moments where our hearts are leaning into him and mm. pressing into more of who he is. That's actually where the gold is. The, I mean, yeah, there's gold in the promised land, but the real gold, the, the refiner's fire, it creates something in us in the process that the promised land can't. And so I want to be, I want to be one who shares the middle moments and who shares, you know what? We're not here yet, but look at the beauty that God is doing in the in-between. There's so much beauty there. And I feel like the church as a collective whole, we get lost in that and think that we just need to get here. We need to get there when in fact God is with us right here in the middle. And that's where the real beauty is made. That is really awesome. I love that. And I think it gives such faith to, to the process. I mean, life and the trials of life are only sanctified sanctifying if we are sanctified by them. You know, it's, right. we have to fight right. for the sanctification within them. It's not just yeah. things are hard, so I'm going to grow. Things are hard. Right. I press into right. Jesus. He is faithful to me and that's why I grow. So I love that leaning into the heart instead of just enduring it. And um, I think that can really bring faith to so the women who are listening, I love that. So let's yeah. pause done. Let's go back to your story then of $10,000 handed to you and this calling placed in your heart at the same moment. Yeah. So the next day we called the adoption agency. We started paperwork and in the adoption community, it is very rare that this happens, but within the moment that we started paperwork until the day that we brought Selah home was exactly nine months. Oh my we were gosh. a waiting family for a month, I think. <laughs> we were an approved waiting family for a month. So it and was like a pregnancy, we, the wait and it, the anticipation. Yes. Oh my word. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after Selah was nine months old, her birth mother called us and said she was pregnant again and asked us if we would also take that baby. And of course we did. And that's Micah. 
And so they were 16 months apart, which was so hard, but it's, it's been a beautiful thing. We were, they had the flu this week. So we were sitting Uh, on the couch watching church this morning and they were holding hands. And I just thought, oh, I never dreamed about this those years ago when they were so little and they were both in diapers and they both needed me all the time. Yeah, I have two that are 15 months apart, but they're not biological siblings. I mean, that is, they are sisters in every way, but the gift that you gave them to be able to, Mm. they're, there would have been some family that could have stepped right. forward, but right. the gift that they have of sharing life together forever. Yeah. Oh, what a gift. Okay. So, but their, their brother was not as expected, I guess. Right. Yes. No, we said that we were never going to do the foster care thing. You Me know, too, no, girl. <laughs> we're never doing that. And honestly, if I'm being really honest, we, when we adopted, we're like, we're helping the orphan and the widow and their distress. Okay. Check. We did it. We did what we're, you know, and we just never dreamed that we would be foster parents. In fact, I remember telling my sister, she's a foster mom and she's always wanted to be a foster mom. That was just the calling that God's placed on her life. And she does it beautifully. And so we have walked with her through every placement and we've put meals on the front porch and dropped off clothes and diapers and different things. And we've walked through that process with her. And that's, so I'm like, okay, yes, we're, we're helping her. We're helping right, her. Right, right. We're doing a part with too. foster care too. Check. Yeah. Right. Right. Check. Yeah. So then we get a call and it was a, a very different circumstance and a long story short they asked if we would take the seven-year-old boy and so we initially took him as kinship care and so we had him for six months and I am not kidding you when I tell you it was the hardest six months of my life Hmm. we have walked through a lot of hard hard is not hard is not foreign to us it's not something we're scared of because we just talked about the beauty that we found in hard, right? Mm. This kind of hard was a different type of hard that I've ever experienced. Every morning I had to start my morning on my face before the Lord because Mm. I was so desperate for the help of the Holy Spirit every moment of the day. Here I was changing diapers and knowing about Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Stella the Princess Night. And then suddenly I have a seven-year-old and I'm like, what do you even do with a Mm seven-year-old? You know, I feel like a lot of this life, biological parents, they grow their children, they grow with their children as parents. Exactly. So they grow with them. They, they know, okay, well, the pediatrician will tell you when you're supposed to change foods or when you're, you're supposed to expect this or that. But when you suddenly get a seven-year-old and you've been parenting two toddlers, I'm like, do you brush your teeth by yourself? Do I need to like bathe you or can you do that by yourself? Or like, what are the rules? Like, when do you need to go to bed? Like, it it was just the hardest thing. But but also we have a seven-year-old with seven years of trauma. Mm -hmm. And... The trauma was the hardest part because what do you do with that? Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? 
walks through your door. And yes, thankfully we had been trauma informed and we've been trauma trained and we had a lot of training on trauma with our church and we've read all the books and we've done all the things and you can do all that and you can still have no idea of what that looks like until it's in your house. Right. And so it was really hard and it's still really hard some days, but we're finally in a place in our family where we learn tools, all of us, on how to better deal with it. And we know triggers and we know what to expect. And my sister uses this language a lot and I really love it. And I think it's so important for this community. She talks about budgeting, mostly budgeting our emotions. So if there's going to be a visit this week, let's budget Mm. and know that probably that night I'm going to be up most of the night with nightmares, listening to nightmares. Um, Let's budget for behavior after that. Let's budget for whatever it may be. And that has tremendously helped us in, in this journey love of just language. learning. It is so helpful. Leaving Isn't that it good? emotionally, preparing for it spiritually. I love that budgeting. Then there's this intentional preparation, not this reactionary, oh no, what do I do with this? That is so helpful. Right. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guests. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. you read about the prodigal son and, and how father God is a father. And I really thought I had a really good grasp on that when he came in our home. And then the more he stayed with us and the more I'm teaching him how to become a son Hmm. and how to receive love, the more I'm understanding that my own heart is still in some ways, very much an orphan. Hmm. And so there's never been anyone in my entire life who has taught me more of the father's heart than him. So cool. And when I look at him, I just, I just think about where he was when he first came and he was scared and tiny and so, so broken and so hurt and broken places and all those places where God is going to heal but he literally, it's like that language and where it talks about how were the jars of clay. And it's like the cracks, the cracks that I see in him are now being filled. And instead of it being broken and about to fall apart, it, it's now a reminder of what God's done in him. Hmm. And it's just been a beautiful thing. It's been a, a beautiful thing to watch him learn what it looks like to be a son. I think the best, I saw some meme and I don't, maybe you shared it honestly on Facebook, but it it was talking about how the best way to explain 
explain it is whenever our toes are really, really cold, you know, when your feet are so cold and you put them in hot water, well, they need to be warm. And so you would think putting them in warm water would make your toes feel warm, right? But it burns. It's uncomfortable. It hurts. It stings. And that's very much been his experience in our home. Very much so. Yes, he, and, and for the first several months, I'm like, you're getting food. In my head, I'm thinking, of course, you're getting food. You're safe. Like, you have a family that loves you. You, you have everything you need. You can go to the pantry anytime you want to. There's this is food the ideal room. situation. Be happy and grateful. Right. <laughs> right. Like, why, why do you not get this? Why do you not understand that this is, this is everything that you need in your life? Right, right. And it's that very thing of him being put into a bathtub of really warm water when he was ice cold. And it just burns. And it hurts. And so learning to navigate that with him and me understanding oh, this, he's doing this because that's burning him mm. or he's pushing away. And, and so many times, I don't know how people do this without the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. Can I just say I, that? Like, I say it too. I have no idea like how in the world these people do this without the Holy Spirit because I would have been a goner long before Me too. had I not been able to just depend on the Holy Spirit. And I remember one time, It was that first summer that he came. Something had happened and Brandon, my husband, had sat down beside him and was going to have to correct him about something that he said. And he sat down beside him. He made sure a calm tone. Brandon did it textbook, textbook. It was amazing what he said. Just saying, he laid a strict boundary. He's like, we're not going to do that in our house. We're, we're not going to do, that's not safe for your brother and sister. It's not safe for you. It's not safe for her. We're not doing this. And he ran away and we couldn't find him. And we're like looking everywhere in the house where, so I asked Holy Spirit, you know, Holy Spirit, where is this kid? We can't lose the kid. Right. <laughs> so I go upstairs and he's up underneath his bed. And so I'm asking Holy Spirit, like, what do we do? What do I do? What do I say? I mean, we can't go back on the discipline. Like, he can't do that, right? There needs to be a boundary. And so I just felt the Holy Spirit say, like, just get up under the bed with him. And I am very claustrophobic, okay? I hate airplanes. I hate elevators. I hate tight spaces. I'm like, anything, Lord, please. Don't make me get under the bed. And so I'm underneath the bed and I'm just sitting there with him and just not saying a word. And several minutes pass, 45 minutes later, and he finally starts talking to me. And it's just been this thing of learning what that looks like and not expecting him to feel like everything is good when inside his heart everything isn't uh, man if that's not a picture of the scriptural call to come alongside of the week to literally mm. come along I am gonna lay alongside of you in your weakness and I'm gonna 
enter the brokenness with you and sit here with you. And, you know, you were talking about how much he's taught you about the father's heart for you. But even just to encourage you, as you're sharing, all I can think of is how you're revealing the father's heart to him also. It's not just about your love for him. That is God's love for us. I mean, Jesus came into our brokenness. And there is no sort of get your act together, pull it together, get out of the bed, come on out, and we are going to do this the right way. Jesus came into it with us. And I just think, you know, him being your son is a beautiful, important reality for him. But what you're teaching him about the father's heart for him and how Jesus has loved him is just extraordinary. And I'm eager to hear about how God uses you in teaching him about himself and uses you in drawing his heart to him. And it's just, I want to encourage you. I'm like, oh yes, God, this is how you love us. This is how I want to love my kids. And so thank you for sharing all that, man. What would you say to someone? I mean, taking a seven-year-old now, he's nine, right? Now? Yeah. Taking a seven-year-old and nine-year-old into your home was never part of your plan. What would you say to maybe if it's a foster mom who gets that call and is considering it, or is maybe feeling the bend towards that way? I mean, nine-year-old foster kids scare people. They are scary on paper. In reality, you're dealing with hard things. What would you say to them? The first thing I always say is it is a calling. And, but whenever God calls us to something, there's grace on it. I've always told the Lord this, I will go anywhere you want me to go. As long as the cloud's there, as long as the pillar of fire goes with me, I will go wherever you want me to go, but I need you to go with me. And I feel that so strongly, even with circumstances like this, there was a grace on that for us. And had we said yes, whenever God said no, we would not have made it. And so I think the first thing is there does need to be a call. It shouldn't be something out of guilt that you say yes to because you feel like you should. Right. I don't think it should be something that you just say yes to because you feel like nobody else will. I really do feel like in the benefit of the child, you need to feel a calling to step out and in that. And he broke birth order for us, which was another thing that we said we would never do. And, you know, there's all this research about this. And that was another thing that we just really did not want to do. Mm-hmm. But yet God called us to it and there was grace there even for that. And so Uh, That would be the first thing. But the second thing is that I feel like people think, and this sounds crazy because it's, it's, it's not the truth, but people look at a nine-year-old, nine-year-old and they think they're too, too long gone. There's, they've already made too many bad habits. There's, they've already seen too many things. They've already done this or that, or experienced this or that. And, and that's just not true. They are just little boys. Mm-hmm. who who maybe they've experienced more and seen more than most adult men have. But they're just little boys who want to play with Transformers and mm-hmm. Legos. And 
they need a mama who will fix them breakfast and give them things when they're sick and tuck them in at night and sing to them. And, and, you know, I had this one moment and it makes me cry every time. So I'm sorry, but it was about a month or so ago. He's been the one for me that we, we've had a really hard relationship because I am the mom and he never had a dad. So Brandon's mm-hmm. the best thing in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Brandon can do nothing wrong with him because he's just the best. And he's it's the just dad been, he's waited for where yes. you're the, remo- the mom who is replaced. Exactly. And it's just been really hard. And I've really fought a lot for our relationship hmm. and it's just been really hard. And so a few months ago, I don't even remember what we were talking about. It was a normal day. Nothing had changed. We had just finished eating and we did our bedtime routine and I prayed with him before he went to bed. And as I go to close the door, he says to me, you're a really good mom. Hmm. And I just, my little kids could never say that to me because they've known what a good mom is. But that statement coming from that child was everything to me. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest compliment I've ever been given mm. as a mother. Because it came from that kid. And it's because he hasn't always seen what a good mom looks like. And am I, do, do I feel like I'm a good mom? I mean, sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of the times I'm just trying to keep my kids fed and right, know, right. clothes on. And, but whenever he said that to me, it just wrecked me in the best way because... Mm-hmm he knew that. And I feel like there are nine-year-olds all over this country who need to know what a good mom is. Someone to tuck them in and to take care of them when they're sick and to pray with them and help them with homework. And at the end of the day, they're just little boys that just need a mom. Absolutely. And I feel like they just get forgotten. Right. Well, I thank you for saying yes to him. Thank you for the example that you've set in opening up about infertility in sharing your story in loving him so well. It it's beautiful. Like I said, it speaks to the father's heart, not just in your specific situation, but to all of us who are watching and hearing. And so I want to switch gears. I want to talk about just you as a person, as a woman, not just as a mama. (laughs) So I want to know what you're doing, what you're eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So what are you doing? Hey, let's see. I'm in this rest Sabbath thing. And so I'm trying to work out what that looks like. So right now that looks like different things. Mostly it looks like I really like to read. I I like to I've been trying to really just take care of myself because I think moms just, they don't do that well. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm We're awful. trying to take care of everybody else. Yeah. All right. So but, tell me what, but like, you cannot take this. care of everybody else well. 
the Sabbath thing? Like, did you, so, is it something God put in your heart? Did yeah. you read it? What? Well, last fall, I spoke for like eight weeks straight. Eight weekends, I was away, or I think it was even more than that. And that is hard. Yeah. That is, that is really hard. I just was going and going and going. And I felt like in the middle of the week, I was trying to catch up with my family, but I still yeah. had like work stuff to do. And I was just running myself ragged. And I felt the Lord say to me, I, and I got sick. And so I just felt the Lord say to me at the end of the year, you're going to be doing, this is what you're, I've called you to do. And if you're, um, you're going to do the things that I've called you to do, you're going to need to learn how to take care of yourself better. Mm-hmm. And so that's just looked like healthy rhythms for me, like going to bed at 10 o'clock every night. I try to go to sleep at 10 o'clock and that is so hard. It sounds so simple, but it is very hard to do. Oh my gosh. I, and yeah. I, I'm like a 1AMer. <laughs> right? Right? And I really tried to just, I felt the Lord say too at the beginning of this year, to pursue my presence over production. I just like to produce. I like to think that that's important, right? But I I just felt him just asking me to develop healthy rhythms, drinking water, eating eating clean and taking good care of myself and walking outside and things like that. It seems so simple, but they're really, they can really change your life if you lean into it. So um, I, I haven't got the whole Sabbath thing down. <laughs> Clearly, it's it's a Sunday and I'm working. Um, <laughs> I've written a blog post and I've done tons of tons of work things. But I'm trying to learn this whole Sabbath rhythm too mm. because I think that's something that the Western Church just bombs, and I I I think it's. It goes along with everything that he's teaching me. And especially women. I think women really yeah. bomb it because we're supposed to be all the things. So right. it's not just that you give your all at work. You give your all at work and you're yes. all at home and you're all, and the appearance of your home falls on you yes. and the appearance of your children falls on you and you need to do everything well or else it means that something is supposed to give. If you're not yes. doing all the things well, then it's like, well, something's out of whack. You need to focus on your family more. You need to focus on your work more you need to this is I feel like God set up this conversation with us today so that I would hear what you just said (laughs) good I need I'm like feeling that more and more but I need oh I need to hear that uh yeah so it's it's really hard to do but I really I really have seen the fruit of it already Hmm. I started the beginning of the year to just really my morning, like I don't start work until I've spent time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that I've been doing, that's a healthy rhythm that I've had for a long time, but the going to bed early and the just drinking water and taking care of myself and putting my phone down mm-hmm. in a way for me, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think it's just, it's easy to do all the things when we can do all the things better when we're healthy. Yes. Oh, so good. I love that you're doing was like a not doing. So that's great. <laughs> all right. What are you yeah. reading? Well, right now I am reading Compelled by Love by Heidi Baker for the second time. I love her stuff. 
and she's actually coming to our church this week. And so I've been reading through all of her books again. Um, I'm also reading the believers. I'm one of those readers that reads like five things at one time. Me too. Always. Oh yeah. A chapter in each. I have like my deep theology, my like women's list, my biography, my fiction. Yeah. All the time. So I'm reading The Believer's Authority by Andrew Womack. And then I just started this one and it might be my favorite book ever, but it's called (sighs) The Sacred Journey by Candace and Brian Simmons. It's about Song of Songs. And I have just been in Song of Songs the last three months. And so basically it's a commentary on Song of Songs. So is it like Song of Songs, like sex and love or Song of Songs, like God's love for us? Right. He, he goes through like the theological different viewpoints, but the way that he's written the commentary is about the love that God has for us. Cool. It is so good. I started it yesterday. I I love that you started a book yesterday and you think it might be your favorite book ever. (laughs) Yes. I'm I'm in one chapter. I've read one chapter, but I'm telling you, it's so good. It's so good. That's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what are you watching? I'm a Grey's fan. Okay. Grey's Anatomy. It's literally, I watch Grey's Anatomy and This Is Us, and that's the only shows I watch on TV. I have no idea what else is on TV right now. I think that you will like my husband a lot after hearing this. We started watching Grace together like 15 years ago or something. And yeah. when they killed everyone, I that's when I oh. give up on a show. Like I'm just like, oh, yeah. I, I do that with any show. I'm like, okay, if, if the main characters are different than they were done. when I started, then I'm done. <laughs> he watches Grey's Anatomy by himself every week. My oh, husband. Oh my gosh. And has well, listen. years. <laughs> He should come down to South Carolina every Thursday night because I have a neighbor. I have a neighbor that lives five houses down. We grew up together and she just so happened to move to my neighborhood for three years now. Every Thursday night, she comes over. We drink wine. We eat caramel popcorn or cheesecake or salt and vinegar potato chips. And we watch Grey's Anatomy and it's amazing. That is so good. I love that's like a great combination. Your self-care is like deep Sabbath rest and times. With- yes. And also wine and Grey's Anatomy. That's the Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Okay. What are you listening to? Oh man. I really, I'm listening to Bethel's Victory album, their new album that just came out. Yeah. So good. I love it. I love it. It's so, so good. And I listen to, I listen to a few podcasts. I'm not like a hard, I want to get better at it, but I never really, honestly, I ask people like, when do you listen to all these podcasts? And they're like, oh yeah, whenever I'm driving in the car, I'm dropping off kids or I'm washing dishes or all these things. I feel like whenever I'm driving in the car, I'm catching up on Voxer. So that's another thing I'm listening to. Do you know what Voxer is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, I feel like whenever I'm driving in the car or doing dishes, I'm managing kids also. Like, I don't, I oh, true. totally yeah. agree. There's I no don't way to listen. When the time, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, mostly that's pretty much all that I'm listening to right now. I'm all telling right. you, it, it's, and the children. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to little people <laughs> all day. 
Okay, well, I want to be able to connect anyone, especially just um, the wisdom that you always speak about infertility. And I want to be able to connect listeners to you. So where can we find you? On Instagram, I'm at Grace While We Wait. And I also on Facebook, Grace While We Wait. And then my blog is www.gracewhilewewait.com. And I think that's about it. Well, that's easy to stay on top of. So look for Jess, Grace While We Wait, everywhere. And she will really build your faith. She will really instill your heart with joy for this and point you to God. It is really a gift to be able to watch you and hear your heart. And I'm so glad that you took this time with me today and that everyone that listens to this can can learn from you. I so appreciate your time today. Well, I just appreciate your voice in this community. I really do. I just, I love your voice in this community. I love, I feel like everything you share ends with hope. And I feel like that's a lot of what's missing in in what we do. And so I just appreciate you. I appreciate you and what you're doing. And I know so many people feel the same way. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was really a joy. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.